it, my room absolutely like no wall spots on the wall it was just covered in Beatles stuff and so I got really 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 obsessed <laughs> Hello, I'm Jack, and you're listening to the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast, an interview show about the Beatles' influence in the past, present, and future across the universe and across generations. Today I want to welcome Grace Spellman onto the podcast. Grace is a comedian, writer, and a podcast host for The Ringer's music show on Spotify. Hey, Grace, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Just, you know, another day, another dollar, I guess. I don't know. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love the name of your show. My mom actually walked down the aisle to that song at her wedding. So, no way, that's yeah. awesome. So, Grace, for those who don't know, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, I'm Grace Spellman. I am... Uh, writer. I worked at the website BuzzFeed for a little bit. Um, well, actually for a few years. I have done some TV work here and there. Uh, and currently I am a podcast host on the Ringer Network's music podcast, uh, very cleverly called just The Ringer Music Show, where I talk with my co-host Charles about music stuff and uh, music industry stuff, music news, but also weird stuff like you know, karaoke etiquette and stuff like that. So a little bit of everything, uh, just everything that has to do with be like online stuff, internet culture stuff. And you, I see you're also a, a Spotify playlist guru. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I am. And uh, honestly, like, I, I think maybe once I talk about the Beatles a little bit, it might make sense. I kind of do these like very, uh, not so much mood playlists, but more like cool horns playlist or like singer goes up the octave playlist just like little things I notice in songs and sort of just like catalog them uh and I just add to them a, a bit by bit uh it's probably not fun to listen to start to finish but it's just it's it's nice to organize kind of like a little compulsive thing I do so you're really into music can you tell us how did this start uh well both my parents are musicians I think that had a a big thing to do with it and uh, encouraged, uh, well, obviously, like played music in the house all the time. Uh, but then also, you know, encouraged my sister and I. Well, not so made us take piano lessons at a very young age and would not let us quit, uh, which I'm now, you know, very grateful for. Uh, but yeah, mostly just like a a, a really really musical household uh, with musicians and and people who got excited about music and and cared about music and performed it and and played it. So. That's kind of how I soaked all of that up. And were you always interested in music or was it more like, oh, my parents are making me do this. I, I want to get away from this. I think if I had like been really good at school, like bit like had gotten good grades or sports, I would have like been like had some. But no, I mean, it, I was really good. I was good at it and I liked it a lot. And there was nothing else I really wanted to do. Uh and I just genuinely enjoyed it and it kind of, and so no, but it does make sense that it, I could do like a rebellious thing, but, uh, no, I, I, I loved, I loved doing cool. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you get the inspiration to get on the career path you're on right now? Jeez. Honestly. Well, I, I mean, 
my career track kind of is a little bit of a uh, an odd story in that I did like I mean I basically almost failed out of high school just because like I mean I don't know I had like crazy ADD and like had a hard time doing my homework but a lot of the reason I never did my homework is because I was like always online and like blogging in the early days of blogging and and spending way too much time on the internet uh you know which back then was like a problem and then you know I was dropping and failing out of community college, living in my parents' basement, working at Build-A-Bear at the mall. And I got an email from someone at BuzzFeed that was like, hey, we like this internet stuff you're doing. Do you want to come and interview? And so I uh, I, I ended up working for, at, at BuzzFeed as a writer for like five years. And, uh, and it was because I just, you know, the track was just that like I, it's what I did instead of my homework, I, I think. It but I, I, there's, I don't know, but there's also just something so fun about the internet and expressing yourself. And, and, uh, that's kind of how it started for me. And that's kind of where it is still right now. Well, I, I think that's awesome. I mean, if you can turn your hobby into a career, I think that's everyone's dream. So congrats on doing that and oh, thanks, succeeding thanks. in it too. Thank you. Thank you. It's yeah. I, uh, I think at the age of 17, I would not have expected it. So I'm, I'm, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm proud of me a little bit. <laughs> When did you first hear the Beatles? Uh, uh, I mean, it's I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I think the way that I can liken it is like, I mean, I don't know. It's probably one of it's well, it's my it's my dad's favorite band, and by favorite band, I mean not like, you know, your favorite sports team is the Red Sox, and you get excited every time you watch them. Like he was in a band himself, did a lot of. It played so much of the Beatles stuff, you know, played piano, played guitar. Like anytime he sat at the piano, he would do like the little Lady Madonna thing, the riff on there. And and so it kind of it kind of feels like, you know how when like the first animal you ever know is like a dog, you never like as a kid, like when you're growing up, you're never like, oh, a dog is an animal the way that like later in life, later in life, you're like, oh, a sloth. Wow, that thing's crazy, and 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 that's an you're telling me that's an animal. It's like it's not like you know a dog is an animal. Like you know, like, you know, you know what a dog is before you learn what an animal is. And so the, for for me, the Beatles kind of felt just like I, I'm sure they were the first like artist in my mind I I ever heard. Just because it it really was like I mean it was huge in our house with both my parents. So uh, I I can't paint the picture because I was very little, but I do have like memories of being young and and very specific memories of uh, listening to them as as a kid and were you always like encapsulated by them or was there a time where you I mean that was just kind of you know when you see a dog for the first time you're like oh yeah that's a dog but when do you (laughs) when, when do you first become encapsulated and you're like wow that's that's something else well something that I think uh is a huge part of this for me. And also not just about the Beatles, but also the way I listen to music is there's this book. uh, Actually, you know what? It's right here. I see it. I have it myself. Hold on. I just got a new version of it, but I don't know if you, it's this book. Have you seen this, this giant ass thing, the complete scores? The, have you seen this? No, I haven't seen that. So this is a book my dad had when I was growing up. It is, it's now fallen apart. I don't know where it is, but it, I, I used the cover off of it. But it's a basically a giant book that has every Beatles song in it, the sheet music, but not just like the, 
you know, like the guitar part and the main melody line, but it has like the full score of every song. So it's got like the sheet music for the percussion, like in Benefit of Mr. Kite, it's got like the accordion line written out. Like every sound that is possibly being made on on a Beatles song is is has been transcribed and put into sheet music form. And so uh I and obviously because my parents made me take piano lessons and, and stuff as a as a kid, I could read sheet music. And so very young I learned that like holy crap, like songs you can like notice little parts in songs and like follow along with certain things and uh, there's more to, you know, I saw the Beatles were just four guys cause I could see the album cover, but then this song had like, you know, a sitar and I'm like, well, who's playing that? And it kind of opened up my idea of like this idea of there being more to like music and more to production and, and a way to listen to things and, and, tr- and also try to listen to things and pick up on things. And so, uh, I, I, so that was like, so I, I think I first read that book when I was like 13 years old. And if anyone wants to Google it, it's called The Beatles Complete Scores. It's really cool. It's it's really fun. Um, it's got like all the vocal harmonies written out. It's like a gajillion pages. Um, but uh, so I think I, as a kid, I read that. And then years went by, I would say like middle school and up to like my sophomore year of high school. And then, and then. I was a junior in high school and I got a Blackberry and that was my first smartphone ever. And, uh, it's when I discovered I was like addicted to Wikipedia. And I think some of the first things I ever Wikipedia were Beatles songs because like, if you don't know, there is a Wikipedia page for every single Beatles song that ever exists. (laughs) Uh, and so I think like as a junior in high school, I mean, I had loved them, but you know, all I knew was their music and all I knew was, uh, listening and hearing it. And then I got to like know a little bit more about it on Wikipedia. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And then I got into like, <laughs> like t- I got like obsessed. Like I got, it was really, it was like obsessed, like thinking about it all day and night, like multiple Tumblr blogs about it. My room, absolutely like no, no wall spots on the wall. It was just covered in Beatles stuff, like watching the anthology nine hour DVD, a bunch, uh, And I got, and so I got really, 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 really obsessed. And I had also like gotten, and then also at that point I had learned more about music theory. So, um, you know, like I knew chord progressions down, relative minor, all these like types of things that sort of opens up another like realm of listening. Um, so it was like getting to hear Beatles with like even fresher ears. And so from like the ages of like 16 to like 20 I was like down bad for all the Beatles uh, <laughs> and and so and then I think it kind of faded and then it always like kind of stayed there and then remember they weren't on Spotify for like a really long time until like 2016 I think like very early 2016 and that kind of limited me um and then honestly I'm kind of like everyone else right now where the get back documentary is sort of uh maybe be get back into it again. I'm not as like crazy obsessed as I once was. I probably could have rattled off like 3 hours worth of facts back then, but uh yeah, so so that's kind of like how my journey. Was that even the question that you asked? That's was that does that answer what you asked? Yes, it did. I actually have a bunch of other questions now. <laughs> Uh, so you were about 16 years old when you were obsessed. So like, junior high? Yeah, I was like a... S- 
Yeah, like sophomore, late sophomore to like, you know, like two years after I'd gotten out of high school. Like first tat, like first thing I did when I graduated high school that September after that summer was get my first tattoo, which was a Beatles tattoo. <laughs> um, so, you know, like in the uh, wait, it's it's hard days night. You know, when they do that, like uh, in the hard days night movie, they do that jumping sequence where they jump in the air. It's a silhouette. Uh, it's on my like rib cage and it's just like a silhouette completely black um, of the jumping thing. So what year were you obsessed? Like what kind of stuff was going on at the time? You had a Blackberry. What yeah. were your peers listening to um, while you well, were obsessing? I mean, my peers were, I, I did, I hung out with a lot. I mean, I was like really into music. I was really into like being a kid who was into music, like, like into, you know, like professional, uh, like youth choirs and stuff like that. But doing more like, I liked doing more classical singing, not like a glee club kind of thing. Our school did more like, um, choral works and and major works and stuff like that um but like in that era it's like uh for me 2008 like I mean MGMT uh Animal Collective's uh Meriwether Post Pavilion had just come out um MIA's had just come out I was really digging that I was really into like I also had a boyfriend who was like really into cool bands and so I was like I'm into cool bands too but they actually ended up being really good uh (laughs) Uh, and he was also really into the Beatles, but I, I think a lot of it had to do, uh, for painting the picture was like, I, I wasn't very good. I mean, like I re- like when I say I was not good at school, it was like, I was not like, I was failing out of almost every class except for like scraping by in English and doing well in chorus and music theory. Uh, and so I was kind of like, all right, well, this is the one thing I'm like good at that doesn't get me in trouble and I like it. And so I, I, I tried to listen to a, a lot of music, but like, let's see, hold on. This is like 2000, 2009 music. Okay. So, so like Sean Kingston was big. Uh, I have a very strong memory of singing Sean Kingston around the piano with my friends at, uh, in choir. Oh yeah. Like Empire State of Mind. Uh, uh, f- f- oh, uh, Justin Bieber was kind of just being a thing. Lady Gaga was like dipping her toe into music uh taylor swift was getting big around then too taylor swift yeah yeah absolutely um god i mean i don't know i mean people love being like oh that was music back then like music was so much better back then but i i don't know i don't know if i believe that shit but um (laughs) yeah so some some good stuff oh also fleet foxes was huge for me huge huge their album had come out their first one had come out in like 2008 i think they're self-titled uh so that was like that was huge for me. And they, they kind of like, you know, they do a lot of vocal harmony stuff. And, and so I, I was really into them also. They're good. They're another band that's, that's uh, very influenced by the Beatles too. Oh, for sure. So did you, did you ever feel outcasted liking the Beatles while all of your peers are listening to that music? I mean, I didn't feel like that because I was also listening to rap songs. I mean, I do love rap. I mean, 2008 was also 808s and Heartbreaks. And the 2010 was... My dark, beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. Those were huge, huge albums for me, super influential. But there definitely was, I did feel like an outcast in that, like, I felt this sort of excitement about the Beatles that felt like, holy shit, how are you guys not hearing the same? Like, this is incredible. Uh, What we're hearing, why isn't everyone else sort of freaking out about this? And, and I do have specific memories because I, like I said, I was on Tumblr a little bit and I would, I actually, I had a blog, I think probably like 
people will still DM me and be like, I remember your blog, which was titled, my blog title name was Bathroom Window based on the Paul McCartney song. She came in through the bathroom window. Uh, but I would like really, you know, the way that I do now still and the way that uh, this book that I mentioned before taught me, I would be like, listen, like, it's so cool how on this song the bass does this or like, you know, I, I was really into Paul McCartney, who who really favors like octave leaps in his both his guitar playing and in his bass playing. Like if once you notice he loves to like jump up an octave or go down an octave, you can like really pay attention to it and, and enjoy that. And I, I do remember like friends who did know about my Tumblr. A lot of them didn't uh, being like, wow, you like really helped me appreciate it because I, I did feel like, holy crap, like this is not just a thing that our parents play around us. This is not just Eleanor Rigby. Uh, there's other stuff too. And it's, and it's awesome. And also these guys were hilarious and their movies were funny and they were weird and and like kind of really complicated people. Um, so I, I think I did feel an, like an outcast in the sense of, um, but uh, like feeling alone in this like fascination. But my instinct was to want to share and talk about it with everyone for five hundred hours straight, so that they could feel the way that I felt about it. <laughs> did the Beatles influence your life in any way other than just music taste? I mean, no. I mean, uh, they did influence my life. In that, I guess in that, like, I was like, wow, marijuana could lead me to make a cool thing one day. <laughs> like, you know, I, uh, what, you know, or, or whatever. And I, you know, I think, and then when I like did smoke pot in like junior year, well, actually I did in sophomore year, but then I like got scared and stopped. But junior year, then I, I, I was kind of like, okay, this is cool. Like, uh, but I didn't do psychedelics or anything. So it influenced that, I guess. Um, it, it, it influenced, honestly, my not my sense of humor, because like I, I think uh, my sense of humor is something I, I got through like family and like uh, this, you know, however you normally acquire your sense of humor. But uh, honestly, there are some there's like I, I also was like obsessed with uh, the bootlegs I loved the bootlegs I have like so many but I loved the think for yourself like studio chat off of uh rubber soul that's wrong oh I'm so sorry I feel so stupid look Terrence what if you it? wanted to resign from the amateur dramatics do it's not that I put a lot of money and thought into the whole thing yeah but let's face it you're crap <laughs> Aren't you? Well, all right, all right. I mean, you're only doing war. Whose father was he got the hall in the first place, eh? It's like very fun and very funny. And then there's like one, there's one way. Paul says the word sorry. And he says it in this like very certain way that I heard for the first time when I was like 16. And I think I, when I say sorry, or like I'll do a joke, I'll be like, sorry. And I say it exactly like the way that Paul did. I don't know, stuck in my head. So I guess that one way, but mostly the biggest way that they have influenced me, uh, outside of my taste is that book that I read uh, that is sort of like changed, changed the way I listen to music in that like uh, more thoughtfully and, and noticing things and noticing things, how things change and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, when, when you said you noticed how Paul said the word, sorry, I, I do the exact same thing. Um, like there's this one outtake where either John or Paul goes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Paul forgot to say. 13. George's God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I was just watching George and I thought, it must be all right. Yeah, that's John. It's John. <laughs> He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and, and now I always think of that whenever somebody says sorry, that's the first thing that comes into my mind. So my question is like, what do the Beatles possess that makes even what they say in outtakes so memorable to us? I think, honestly, I think if anyone else had heard it, they'd be like, whatever. But I don't, I think we, I think as like a Beatles, like obsessive, you might hear it differently knowing who they are. Like I hear John say that and we remember that. And then also like, I think I remember the Paul sorry thing because Paul just like does so many funny voices and that like when Paul says it that way, it doesn't really sound like Paul. It sounds like he's like doing a little voice and I love that little voice. So yeah. I think the reason like people like you and I remember it is because we're like, oh, class up. That's classic Paul, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking about um, you and I, I mean, we're both, you know, we're around the same age and we're part of this generation um, where records are not the only way to listen to the Beatles. And I mean, we have them on our phone. We have we have studio chatter on, on YouTube, which might not have even been heard until you know, except with the exception for rare bootlegs until like 2009. Or, yeah, that's or studio. Yeah, that's studio chatter. I got through like a like a weird download site in like 2000, like eight. Yeah. So do you think that our generation, while we didn't grow up with the Beatles as they were releasing music, do you think that we have this kind of this this, this different connection with them where, you know, they're not our age, but we have them right here. We're in our pockets wherever we go. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I In the span of like four years, I probably saw every single photograph of the Beatles that ever existed to the point where like, and this was like 2010. So like if there was a photo of them, it probably was online already. But like, of course, there are, they are, you know, there here is this new photo of the Beatles. But like if you're a big Beatles fan and you see a photo that's been unreleased like you know immediately if that's a new photo of them do you know what I'm saying yes oh absolutely yeah uh but I got that knowledge I like got that like photo like that memory photo album of every single Beatles photo in the span of four years where I'm sure someone like my dad who's been you know has been there from the beginning kind of you know who is not an online person doesn't have the same amount of like Beatles info crammed into their head. I mean, like I said, I was, you know, I was up all night scrolling through Wikipedia. We just like you, we could binge digest as much Beatles as they wanted to because a, they'd been around for so long. There was a lot of information on them. And also they're just like a legacy band, you know? So they're being written about by everybody. There's just, there was so much to consume that we can easily get that like, you know, wasn't accessible back then. Right. You know, that's a really interesting term. You said legacy band. Why are some things like, you know, Mickey Mouse is over 100 years old. Um, there are some things that are, are just timeless. And the Beatles seem to be one of those things, like especially with Get Back airing and, and breaking the, the trail. I think the trailer broke YouTube's record view count for, for a documentary trailer. Um, what, what makes the Beatles so current and and so timeless and and like you said legacy um i think uh well i think honestly i think one of the biggest factors i'm gonna say is just like the power of this they're good songs 
You know what I mean? Like there's a reason why yesterday is, I don't know. I, I haven't checked in on this stat in maybe a few years, but it's the most covered song of all time. Uh, and I think that like, if you write a song that's good enough, it will have staying power. Uh, that uh, So I think a, a huge part of their lasting, their legacy is, is because of the power of a, a songwriting duo like Paul and John, but then also stuff like um, the culture at the time and the way they made parents nervous and the way they made kids feel like, what the fuck just happened to me? I just, I just heard this crazy shit. Like what the fuck? The way that it just like, it, it affected, you know, it's like they came into the world and threw a grenade down and everyone got hit. And it's, it's, I think that's, and once you do that, you're a legacy, no matter what. I mean, bad stuff is, has legacies too. So like if you're going to affect a bunch of people and change the world, then you are automatically a legacy. And they did that even outside of like a really good song, just by the way that they looked and the way that they talked and, and even the stuff that they wrote about. So I think it's just like, it happens to do like a huge part of it was just also the place and time, like what was going on in the world at the time. Uh, so it was sort of like this perfect puzzle piece. And I, I don't know. So yeah, so that's, that's my theory. Speaking of get back, have you seen the documentary? So I watched the first two and then I've been moving into a new apartment over like the last week. So I haven't watched the last one yet, which is honestly, and I'm going to, it's just, so the, the other thing is that like, this audio, a lot of it had existed before on the A-B sessions, I think, and the Let It Be sessions, those bootlegs. Have you heard those ones? Oh, yeah. 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 So I had heard like a lot of this already, but I hadn't seen it. But the third one, is it basically just the rooftop performance? So like the last 45 minutes is the rooftop performance. And okay. there are a couple of hours of just studio stuff before that. Okay. Yeah. I heard it gets like more fun. I, I am going to watch it. Uh but I have watched the first two. Uh, I just like, it's one of those things that it's so special to me that to like sort of half watch it uh, feels sort of cruel to them, you know? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you want to give them your full attention. I mean, this is a once once in a lifetime thing where you get, you know, a full work day worth of, of Beatles. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such like a, and even just, even if it, there was no sound, the act of like seeing it, like, I'm sure when you first saw it, I, it felt so, because of the work that they've done to make it look so um, crisp and clear. It felt I just like was shaking my head being like, what the fuck? Like, it felt so weird to see them so young and so like in the, in the quality that good. And so to and that feels like sort of magic to me. And so to like play it on my small laptop while I go around and like unpack feels cruel. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, for me, just seeing John, like like him him moving around, him being animated, it's like I've only really seen pictures, aside from the original film, which mm -hmm. I could barely make out what was going on in that one anyway yeah. because of the quality. And plus it was on, I watched it on like daily motion. It was like a really bad bootleg of it. Yep. And, um, <laughs> and uh, but just seeing that was, was super special for me too. And I, I completely understand what you're saying. It's like, you want to you want to give it your full attention when you watch it. You, it like demands it, kind yeah, of. Yeah, and that's a really good point about John because when I think of this like era of Beatles, I like 
it, it does bum me out a little bit because like I do love them when they're like happy and having a good time and and you know the those days that they talk about when they would just like sit Paul and John would sit in a hotel room and it like just write these crazy songs that were uh, wonderful but this is definitely a time where I know everyone's tense everyone hates Paul and I and just and you know the tension between John and Paul but there is something like to see John just like being like moving and and not I don't know that time period I just associate him with being like kind of like a grump I don't know why because if anything I feel like George was probably grumpier than everyone uh uh but 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 then also like the tragedy of 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 John's death and like how we don't get to see him be animated after you know this this year uh so yeah so has it changed the way you see the Beatles or, or any specific member or even just the story of their breakup? Um, I mean, I don't know. I always kind of, I know that like, I mean, Yoko Ono's name was like basically turned into a verb uh, to Yoko something. So I, I do know by like that, like the common person, not the common person, that sounds derogatory. I mean, just like the average, the, the passive Beatles fan will be like, yeah, Yoko broke up the Beatles. And I think a lot of people were sort of like, wait, no, she didn't. She's just chilling reading a magazine with John's face on it, which is weird, but it's not going to break up the band. And so it didn't, I mean, I don't know, maybe something will happen in the third movie that that will change my mind, but it didn't, it didn't really make me be like, Oh, I knew, I knew it was really tense back then. I think it made me be like, it really made me, I mean, everyone loves Ringo. Everyone kind of does the, Oh, Ringo, but like, man, he was so sweet in that, that like, I, 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 that is one thing that I did get from it was just like, man, Ringo was just like doing his best. And especially for the fact that like, he was like, you know, Paul, like, I, I guess, you know, during the White Album, Paul would like re-record his drums. And yet like a few years later, Ringo was like, oh, I love seeing my friend Paul. Like, you know, yeah. it was just like, there's no ego there for He's him. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. And so, you know, that's not really about their breakup, but it did. That is something that I kind of learned i guess from this no and i think that's i think that's the magic of this documentary is that you do get that sense of behind the scenes personality that is not through the lens of media outlets like you know the sun or the inquirer or or these things that put out stories specifically to make money off of it so they want to sell headlines and i think maybe after a couple decades that is how this narrative started Mm -hmm. um but it's nice to see it from the source. So, I mean, like you said, Ringo is, he, he's great. He's a beam of sunshine, especially in that dark, cold Twickenham studio. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, seriously. the It is. It's so big. And it is, it's just like, it's cavernous in there. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I did love it. I think I have, there's one moment from, I think I tweeted about it. But there's one moment from, so Paul's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And there, this little clip that like perfectly encapsulated uh, uh, why he is my favorite was it was day nine. I don't so I don't remember what if that was number one or number two for the for the series, but it was day nine, and Paul is sitting at the piano next to like some random kid who I think is like the crew at the studio, and Paul is uh, just sitting there, you know, messing around on the piano, and basically is like the great thing about music is like every note. Is just, is just here in front of you. 
That's yeah, it, you know. <laughs> all this has ever been written is all there, you know. Which is true and is why my parents actually made me play the piano because it's tuned to the key of C, but then also like literally all notes you ever need are you can see them and they're right here in front of you. And so they were like, you're sorry, but you have to learn the piano. You can't learn the saxophone, which I kind of had pitched to them. But they were like, no, you're not going to learn the saxophone. You can't just. I played the saxophone. Uh, so did my mom. So did my mom. So <laughs> And my mom, my mom studied piano in college, but she did play the saxophone when she was young. So I thought maybe I, you know, I could swing it. Okay. Um, but it's this, it's this little thing. He's like, hey, this is how you do it. And so, and then he also talks about how. The song he does end up playing for him is Martha, My Dear, which is very inspired by, you know, old-timey sort of ragtime Tin Pan Alley music, which which I love. And also, it's just like a little glimpse into what was important to Paul. He mentions his dad. Uh, you know, my dad, his dad was a musician as well. I think he played the trumpet. Um, uh, and so, and then all of a sudden, Paul's like, yeah. So then you get a little chord, goes like this, and then this happens. And then he just plays Martha, My Dear, for this kid who's just like nodding. And then at the very and then at the very end, Paul is like, yeah, so unless you see goes, unless you stop, there's no stopping yourself as if it were easy as pie to like write Martha, my dear, one of like uh, to me, one of the sweetest songs. Uh, But yeah, so that was just like I was like, I don't know. It's the uh, I I do love like the rockers, the the 60s druggy stuff that comes out comes out of like that, like, you know, some of that they're uh, a part of their era, but I do love like the earnest grandpa music teacher vibe of Paul. I, I think that that's what I will always swoon for, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Is it the beard that gives him that vibe? I think, uh, I don't, I think so, but then I don't know. And he's like beaming, uh, like w- with his baby face playing for the queen, I'm also like, oh my God, I love you. So I get it. <laughs> so seeing this documentary, have you found any new inspiration or any kind of creative endeavors? I mean, <laughs> I I guess it's kind of like one thing that you know, I guess if you're a Beatles fan is that Paul never settles for anything less than like absolute perfection to the point where it pro- it like pissed some I mean obviously like you know you sacrifice a little bit when you are in a band you have to make compromises but he was really I mean he was not only was he like bossy when it came to music but in the documentary he's like if we could just have a schedule guys like <laughs> and things would be great you know and my personality is kind of just to just go like la di da like I'm going to play the sims for 2 hours and then maybe like my uh, genius idea will come to me. Uh, so it's kind of weird. Like I'm probably in work ethic wise, not like Paul at all, in, even though like he is my favorite. And I think he's probably the greatest songwriter of all time. Maybe Se- Stephen Sondheim kind of tied, but uh, um, so I guess it kind of, it, it sort of made me like appreciate this, this work ethic, I guess. And that, that famous video that's now viral of him just like sitting down and churning out, uh, get back, which is obviously like a miracle and like watching, you know, a guy paralyzed stand up from his wheelchair. Like you just, you never see it. Um, so I'm not expecting to like log off and play the Sims and then write get back. But like, I'm hoping to maybe stop playing the Sims a little bit more because (laughs) of this, uh, because of this. (laughs) Or create a new Sim and name it Paul. Yeah, right. (laughs) Just make the Beatles. I'm surprised I haven't even done that yet. So, okay, great. Now I have to go do that. (laughs) So, Grace, what are you doing now um, in life? What's your focus? 
right now I, well, I just moved to LA. I lived here for a little bit and then the pandemic, I lived at home for the whole thing, uh, which was great. It was fine. I love my mom. Um, was not bad. So now I'm back and I'm podcasting right now, but hoping to, um, do some TV stuff. I had done, uh, I'd worked on, I'd had like a few gigs doing some stuff for the tonight show and the spinoff tonight show, uh, show called that's my jam that just premiered. I, I did some like development work, very little, little stuff, but I'm hoping to, to do some comedy writing. I've got like an idea for, you know, I'm doing like my classic write a pilot to get you know staffed on like a, a scripted comedy show but then I also have some like ideas for some like children's music shows some like educational children's music shows because I I did want to be you know had I gotten good grades in high school and like gone to college and been good at college because I didn't I, I really wanted to be a music teacher and I I think that that's I, I want to try to like still do that in any way that I can without <laughs> without a degree <laughs> um so I really want to get to work on that. If any famous rich people want to fund my little are listening to this and want to give me some money so I can put on my little children's puppet show for music idea, uh, please contact me because uh, I am just a podcast host. Um, so, yeah, so hoping to do that. Um, but right now, just podcasting with uh, on the show that I love talking about music. And I'm so glad to be here because I we were going to do a, an episode on the Beatles get back and I had all this stuff to say and I, we never got to do it. So I'm, I'm very glad to be here and, and I'm glad that I got to talk about it finally. Well, the puppet show sounds great. Um, what, what made you want to be a, uh, what made you get, want to get involved with, with kids? Uh, well, I've always, I mean, I've, I worked in childcare for like 10 years. I was a preschool teacher for four years I was a nanny here and there. I have been a babysitter. I I love I love 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 working with kids and music was so important to me when I was a kid and I and it was so fun and and th- that feeling I I felt about like listening to music in a cool way kind of felt like a little superpower that I could have and I think that sometimes people think it's inaccessible like oh you have to be a musician or you have to be really smart or you have to or not really smart I don't know why I said that because I'm a dumbass uh you have to uh have all of this knowledge but you really don't it can be if it's explained to you in a fun way an accessible way then you can sort of listen to music and and feel like you kind of have these like magic ears and so that I, I want everyone to experience that and also the show is not just for kids it's actually for uh adults too the way that the Muppets kind of was um, because I also want adults to feel like, you know, a lot of people feel like uh, I missed the boat. Oh, I wish my parents had made me take an instrument. Now I'm, you know, in my 20s, late 20s, and I, I can't appreciate music. I don't know. I can't learn about music. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. I think you can, hopefully I want to make something that makes an adult not feel like they're at school or having to do homework, but can watch and be entertained. But then also, you know, when the show is over, drive somewhere in the car and on the radio and listen to music in a fun way thanks to the show that I'm would hope to make one day. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You're basically going to be uh Paul at the piano and get back showing everyone. 
I hope, and then maybe maybe that's why I loved that part so much. Then yeah, is that like because the the kid? I think the kid was just like, okay, sir. Like he's probably so stunned that Paul is even talking to him. I think actually at the end, at the end of Paul's little talk to him, the kid goes, uh, I, "I gotta get me a piano." Right. So, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I I do I want you know, but I don't know. Maybe he maybe he did buy a piano. Who knows? So maybe, but yeah, maybe a kid like that could watch whatever thing I do. Yeah, I think I think that kid grew up to actually write the song "WAP" by Cardi B. <laughs> so. Well, I have danced and enjoyed that song many times. So right. thank you, Paul. <laughs> okay, Grace, I have one final question for you. Sure. Um, so here we are, obsessed over the Beatles, sixty years after they actually existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so where will the Beatles be in five, ten? 50 100 years from now well i think there's something time i mean we talked about the legacy thing i think if they're you're gonna have a legacy or uh, have the qualities of something that is a legacy you so they they will be around you know they we will be talking about them in 10 years 50 years but like how much it depends i we're talking about them a lot now but that's because a really rich filmmaker got this like amazing footage that we hadn't seen before. So we kind of got like a little uh, revival of Beatlemania, albeit not as big, obviously. But I mean, I don't, if you see, there are, I mean, TikTok now, there are songs that came out in the 90s that were like kind of okay, but they're getting like a huge renaissance now because they're featured on a TikTok. I think it's easier for songs to come back. I think there are some Beatles songs like, like Anna go to him that like a Gen Z kid will be like, what? Like turn this off immediately. What is this? (laughs) But, but you know, there's some stuff on revolver. She said, she said, which is, I mean, look at Tame Impala. They're huge. I love Tame Impala. They sound like the Beatles. They, they just straight up like their early stuff. They just sound like the Beatles. He sounds exactly like John and their music is psychedelic in the way that the, the Beatles psychedelic stuff was, they sound very similar. So I think, there always will be like a few stray Beatles songs that because they're so good will stand the test of that will just be so impactful no matter what and will stay important and will be listened to. I mean, okay, well, listen to this. So West Side Story was written in 1959 and we just got a revival uh you know a film adaptation of it it's second film adaptation that came out this week and it's i mean it didn't do well in the box office but but it's a but people are listening to it people are going to see it it's people are going to hear the songs again and i think that's because steven sondheim and and leonard bernstein and and all that stuff so i think if the Beatles had been like just straight up folk musicians like you know like Dylan we wouldn't uh they wouldn't have like the kind of like pop like everyone like kids and 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 you know your neighbor next door and like a three-year-old child you know could get excited about it a three-year-old child and a child who's three in the year 2050 will jump up and down probably hearing like a a Beatles song and I think that's because they just span so many genres there's something for everyone God, my answer's all all over the place, but like it is, it's, it's just really crazy to think about it because I, you know, was getting them tattooed on my, on myself when I was in the year 2010 
uh, and I, and it was because I had the internet, and the internet's still here. They're they're funny. It's not you know they're still funny. Their sense of humor is like, and that's the other thing that Beatles Get Back documentary was so great because everyone discover was like kind of discovering that they these guys are fucking hilarious. They're really funny, but like in a humor way that it in a in a way that like it's the kind of humor that is like still funny today, not like old timey humor. Like they were just like guys fucking around and like being really funny. And if we have that footage and we watch that, I think they'll always be relatable to us. Like these are guys just like having fun and making jokes that my friends made. And Oh shit. They wrote this awesome song that came out of it. uh, That is like a combination that is really special. And I can't see, I just can't see like a generation getting bored of that unless another Beatles comes along. Do you think that'll happen? No, no, I don't. I don't. I mean, it just, it just won't just due to like the way that we consume music and the way that, uh, I mean, you know, we're not all going to uh, waiting outside a record store to open up so we can hear music. I could go, you know, we can listen to it in the car. We can listen to it in the shower. Uh, there was like a scarcity back then in the in the early 60s that that made them more special to hear because it wasn't easy to hear them and I don't think and I don't and obviously we'll never have that ever again in our lives if anything we'll be like we want to hear less music (laughs) do you mean like an overconsumption of music I mean yeah I don't think there's actually such a thing as too much music I'm just saying that uh it there was just like yeah something about just not being able to access it right away and uh the culture of, you know, people getting pissed off about it and the idea that, you know, no one ever had ever sung about like wanting to hold, like, I want to hold your hand before. I, it just, I can't see another thing like making a bunch of people crazy all at, all at once. And this is someone who is like sat third and second row at Beyonce concerts and could like go on a Beyonce podcast if I wanted to right now, who is like hugely influential, but like not not in the way that the Beatles were just not, she just wasn't. And not, that isn't to say she's less talented. I think it's just like the time and the place, you know? Right. So in a hundred years, you see the Beatles still popular or fading still, away? Still po- still popular. Cause what? Okay. 1921 was a hundred years ago. Hold on. In the twenties, just... you had uh George Gershwin Rhapsody in blue. Okay. Yeah, Rhapsody in Blue. Okay, Woody Allen used that in the beginning of his movie Manhattan. They used it in Fantasia. Rhapsody in Blue is used in so much shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, old standards are sung, you know, uh, people, if a song is good enough, you can cover it uh, forever. You know, Adele had, uh, what's the Dylan song she had on her phone? Oh, make, make You Feel make My you feel Love. Them. Exactly. I mean, that song is not 100 years old, but I didn't know it was a Dylan song. It felt so fresh to me. And that's the power of an incredible songwriter like Bob Dylan. So I think in 100 years, it's absolutely possible. Will people still be talking about them? Yes. Will it be as much as you and I are right now? Uh, Or will there be as many people? I I don't think so. And and do you pass the Beatles music on to people you meet or like uh, the kids you're going to teach music to one day? Absolutely. I mean, oh my God, absolutely. I mean, look how influential it was for me. Of course I am. I mean, honestly, I mean, sometimes I'm like, do I want to, I mean, I love kids so much, but sometimes I'm like, do I want to have kids? Obviously I want to like, a huge part is I want to watch them grow and nurture them. But I'm also like, I want to introduce, I want to introduce 
small children to cool music and see what it does to them as a person to see like where it could catapult them. So I absolutely want to do that. I, but sometimes I do get the urge to be like, sit down in this room with me and let me play you these four songs while I pause it every three seconds to explain how cool this is, you know, which sometimes can take away the magic. And it's like sort of that thing where it kind of makes people want to listen to it less. But I have had some experiences where I'm like, hey, I'm going to give you four Beatles songs and like three quick, cool things about them or not, not three about each, but like one little thing about them and then like go forth and like find peace. And if you don't like it, then that's fine. At least I can say I've done it. Uh, but yeah, anytime I can, where I feel like I'm not being annoying, I will try to pass the Beatles off, whether if it's on two friends, future children, children I may meet, uh, in the future. Grace, is there anything, uh, that you want to promote while, while you're on the podcast or anything that you want them to check out? You can listen to my podcast, uh, the ringer music show, comes out every Tuesday. You can follow me on Twitter at Grace Spellman and also Instagram. And also if you want to see my batch at Spotify playlists, you can, I think you could just search my name uh, and I'm there, but I don't think there's a space, whatever, whatever you figured out. You just Google Grace Spellman Spotify. I'm sure it will be there. Uh, and yeah. And then, like I said, if you are a television producer with a shit ton of money, uh, please contact me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, no, I'm actually, no, I'm actually not. Um, but yeah, I, so hopefully you can, if you are listening, you can find me there and then hopefully one day you could find me doing something cool with music and kids, you know, uh, in a few years that I, I think that's where I'll be. Cool. That sounds good. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Grace. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad anytime I can, I really haven't been able to talk about the Beatles like this, honestly, probably in about a decade. So this has been very special for me. And, and I'm so I'm so I'm really happy to be here. That wraps up the third episode of Here, There and Everywhere. Thank you again to Grace for coming on. You can follow her on Twitter at Grace Spellman and check out her podcast, The Ringer's Music Show on Spotify. The links to both will be in the podcast description. Be sure to tune in next week for an exciting episode, which is going to be released on the anniversary of the Beatles' first appearance on Ed Sullivan, February 9th, 1964.